Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Five weeks ago, we began journeying through the book of 1 John, and we began talking about what it means to live the life of a Jesus follower, or what a believer's life or walk looks like. And Pastor Travis started us off with really um, what uh, a definition of what it means to walk. When somebody says, how's your walk, or how's your walk going, what, do you, what we really mean is, how's your life going? How are you living your life? You know, Christians live their lives like Jesus lived his life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm Pastor Tom. I need some help. Good night. Y'all stayed up too late. Over the past three weeks, Pastor Vance has started... Each sermon with this spiritual reality, and I want to throw it back up there, even though it doesn't fit perfectly, it leads us right into what we want to talk about today. The spiritual reality he gave us was a godly walk doesn't mean the absence of faith. Excuse me, the absence of sin. <laughs> yeah, let us start over. <laughs> Woo! I told you I need help. Start over. A godly walk doesn't mean the absence of sin. A godly walk means experiencing victory in the presence of a very real struggle. Amen. And what a message we heard last weekend. Anybody here? Was it just me? To know that we can have victory, that we may not be delivered in this life, but that we can have victory over sin every day that we live. Man, how encouraging, how empowering that was for us. Because we know how sin frustrates us, it debilitates us. And ultimately, to be honest with you, it kills us. But to know that every day that we live, we can have victory. I mean, did anybody try that this week? Like, to gain victory over that when the evil one or when your own flesh would rise up. And you said, Lord, you know what, I'm going to believe by faith. The things that my flesh is telling me aren't true. I'm going to believe you. So we've talked about how the believer is to live his or her life and with God and how that walk and how we live our lives deals with, handles, and relates to sin. And as we start today, I want to talk not necessarily about a whole new topic, but I want to talk about something that's actually the opposite of sin, okay? The opposite of sin, and that's obedience, because sin is disobedience, right? If I had to ask you, and I kind of gave it away a little bit, but if, if I had to ask you the question, or if someone were to ask you the question, can you define sin? Or if somebody said, could you for me define what sin is, how would you answer that question? I want to kind of get that in your mind today. So 
Define sin, not out loud, but just in your own mind. How would you define it? As my kids were growing up, um, we tried to get a definition in our own life and tried to find it just from the Scripture of what sin was because we knew at some point that not just our faithfulness to God, but His faithfulness to us and us sharing the gospel with them, they were going to begin to ask questions. And all five of our kids did the same thing. But one of our children, I won't tell you which one because they're going to be in the service today and they might be right now. I don't want to give it away. But when I ask them this question, I'm going to slip up and tell you what gender here in a second. I just, I feel it coming. Be strong, I know. I remember when we used to put this child to bed at night, they would say, I want to be saved. Now, they weren't 8 or 10 or 15. This child was 3. And so Crystal and I, my wife, we, we had a real struggle to... We don't want to stop our kids from getting saved. I mean, that's what we've been praying nine months before they were born, right? But at the same time, I wanted my three-year-old to recognize what sin was. And when I began to ask this child what sin was, this child would answer with examples of sin. Like most adults. So this isn't just a child thing. This is also a, a human thing. So... If when you answered that question, you said things like, maybe not exactly like my child did, but here's what my child would say, I hit my brother or sister, or I didn't clean up, clean up my room. Those are examples of sin, but the description is really not what definition is. To describe sin, sometimes we just take the examples of sin, but at its very core, sin is disobedience to God. Sin is breaking the laws of God. You, you pick any one you like. But at its very core, what sin is, is disobedience to the laws, to the commandments, to God himself. If three-year-olds answer this way, I know all humans do. That's how we do it. We describe sin, but we don't necessarily define it. So this week, what I want to do is I want to stay on the same wavelength by expounding on what the opposite of sinning is, and that is obeying. We talk about obedience. John doesn't switch the conversation. He goes right into off of verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of the book of 1 John, which is where we'll be, and he began to, begins to talk about obedience. You see, the truth is, is anything that's opposite of God, whether you're talking about a truth versus a lie, right? If you're talking about Life versus death. Or if you're talking about in a broad sense of disobedience versus obedience, you're talking about something that's totally opposite of God. So today we're going to look at another aspect of what a believer's walk looks like as it pertains to obedience. And listen, the writer of this book, and I realize this is also an introduction, okay, so stick with me. The writer of this book walked with Jesus. The writer of this book, he's about to tell us some things that he heard from Jesus' own mouth. In fact, in his own gospel, because we're going to be in 1 John, but in the gospel of John, uh, chapters 13 through about 16, 
Jesus says these things over and over and over to his disciples before John ever writes this book in the latter years of his life. But these things are coming back to him, everything that John said. And so I want to give you just a few things today that Jesus, that John heard Jesus say to him and the disciples that were there before Jesus went to the cross. Here's one of them. Listen to this. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, this is Jesus talking to us. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. If you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. It's one of those conditional sentences, right? Like, if there's love, then there's obedience. Look at another one, John 14, 21, same chapter. He who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. John 14, 23, just two verses later. If anybody loves me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He who does not love me does not keep my word. So these weren't new things to John. He'd heard them over and over and over. So when we begin to read 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, have this in mind. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. 1 John chapter 2. Beginning in verse 3. The Bible says, By this we know that we have come to know him. Now the by this is not talking about what he just previously said. He's about to tell you what the by this is. Okay? So let's look at it again. By this we know that we've come to know him. How? If we keep his commandments. This is how we know. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandment is a, he goes pretty strong here, a liar. And the truth's not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. Then he says again, by this we know that we're in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So I want to quickly just answer two questions for us today because you got a Super Bowl to go to. I get it. We're not going to hold this till 2 o'clock. The 11 o'clock service wouldn't like that. So two questions. First question is this. What's the evidence I have a relationship with God? What's the evidence? I mean, we see it right here in, in, in chapter 2, verse 3. You know, I, uh, I mean, I didn't, on days I preach, I usually don't stroll the crowd. But I would be willing to bet that there are people in the auditorium today, in the sanctuary, that actually have on a, a Patriots or a Falcons t-shirt or jersey that actually aren't really their fans. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying. We call them bandwagon people. Again, not calling you out. Just I'm just saying. Like if we went to your house and you say you're a Falcons fan, if I go through your closet, you got anything else there? You know how you know if you're a Falcons fan or a Patriots? Listen, you come to my house, you come to my office. I'm going to have a lot of orange there. Go Vaults! Amen. Praise God. I got a friend over here, brother. You know how you know I'm a Vaults fan? Because I'm telling you, I got the stuff. I got the swag. In fact, I'm paying him right now. I got a son who goes there. I love the Tennessee Volunteers. I also love the St. Louis Cardinals. You come to my office, I'm going to have some, some stuff from the Cardinals. A bat with Stan Musial's name on it. Don't steal it. It's worth billions. I don't know. 
to me. Because there's evidence that I am a fan of this, right? Here's the question. What's the evidence that we're Christians? What's the evidence that you're a follower of Jesus? Listen, we can say all day that we are. That doesn't mean we are. In other words, how can we know that we're in the faith? Well, the answer he gives us is just right there on that page. He said if we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments, if we obey what he said, that's how we can know. By obedience, we mean knowing what to do and doing it, right? Knowing what that is and doing it. But with the believer, it's actually a little bit deeper. It's allowing God to do in and through you, me, us, what I could never do on my own, but will be manifested through my own actions. It's deeper than just knowing what to do and doing it. I don't, I, listen, I don't want to teach you legalistic things of having a box and checking the box and making sure you go down the list and check and check and check and check. That's not what we mean. Look how John says it. Let's just look at it again. I want to just kind of do a running commentary and break it down for you. He says, by this we know. I love this. I, David, I love this because John doesn't say, by this I think. He doesn't say, by this I've heard. He says, by this I know. You know why he knew it? Because he experienced it. He'd been there. He'd done that. He got the t-shirt. He didn't hear somebody else talk about it. He didn't think it might be something good to do. Here's what John said. By this we know. We know what I'm about to tell you. Then he says that we've come to know. He uses the same exact word but in a different tense in our language. He said by this we know like I presently, currently understand. I got it. I know that in the past at some point I got to know him. In other words, I was saved. That we've come to know. Not that he knows everything about Jesus or God that there is to know at the present moment, but what that takes for salvation. Here's what he said. I presently know that I gave my life to God. I know this. And the reason that I know it, or the reason we can know it, is by how we keep the commandments. I talk to people all the time. And they'll do or they'll say what Pastor Vance a couple weeks ago said. He said, people will say, I know what the Bible says, but. I know what God's Word says, but my circumstance, my life, what's been manifested in my life or the things that I'm going through, the struggles that I have are just like different from anything that I ever read here. And so the reason that I do what I do, and don't make me make a list because I'm going to leave everything out. But does your life look like the life that Jesus lived while he was here? The, the answer is no for all of us. I'm going to go ahead and answer it for us. But do you know that it could be? See, we're convinced it can't be. 
We are convinced. We say it all the time. He lives in and through me. But somehow we think that opposite of that, because of our flesh, that we could never do that. But it is possible. The reason you love correctly is because he loves through you. The reason you give of yourself to other people. The reason you care. The reason you're not so self-absorbent as you could be is because of him. And it could get better. He could live through you more. Colin Cruz says this. He's talking about knowing him. He says, knowing him is not knowing facts about him. I could cruise these neighborhoods and I could knock on doors and say, tell me about Jesus. You know what they'd say? They'd tell me about the man on the cross, the baby in the manger. Those are all facts, am I right? But knowing facts about Jesus or knowing about him is not knowing him. Knowing him is not knowing facts about him, Colin says, nor simply being able to recognize him operating in circumstances or in other people. It is knowing him personally for oneself. You may know about my wife, but you don't know my wife. I do. I spend time with her. I've spent the last 25 years of my life married to her. I know her. How do we know that we know God? What's the evidence that we know him? If we keep his commandments. This word keep means to guard, to watch, to be observant. It means to be sensitive to. So here's the truth about obedience. Truth number one. The believer's walk with God will be revealed in the believer's obedience to the truths of God. Like it's that simple. I think we make it too hard. Look at it again. The believer's walk with God will be revealed in the believer's obedience to the truths of God. It won't be revealed by what you say, necessarily. I know this is shocking. People lie. I didn't mean to, you know, hurt your view of humanity. But you know this is true. They will lie to themselves. John's already covered that. We will lie to ourselves and then believe the lie. We're going crazy. We, be, we lied to ourselves, we believed the lie, and we knew we lied. The believer's walk with God will be revealed in the believer's obedience to the truths of God. So how can we come to know him? How is that possible? Well, how can we know that we've come to know him? Well, we obey him, and it really is simple. John says here, oh, here's a way that you can know if you know God. Here's a way that you can know that you've experienced God. Obey him. So here's the question. How are you doing? How does that look in your life? John actually spells out two ways in the next two verses. Look what he says. In verse 4 he says, the one who says. He gives us two views here. Two different ways to see it. He says the one in verse 4, the one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. See, I don't even have to preach that. That's just kind of there. Like they have the truth, they just don't believe the truth. Have you ever looked at the Bible and said, I know that's right, but I'm not going to do it? You don't believe it. Pastor Johnny Hunt used to say, he probably still does, he's still living, so that's good. <laughs> we practice as much of the truth as we believe. We practice as much as we believe. 
listen, don't say that we believe the Bible and do opposite of that. You say, Tom, you don't know my financial situation. I don't have to. Tom, you don't know my parental situation or my family situation. You don't know my living situation. That's beside the point. God is faithful. Trust him. You see the truth, believe it. I'm preaching a little bit angry, but I'm not. Verse 5 says, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we're in him. And I want to save that last portion for my last point. But let's look at verse 5 again. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. In other words, the people who say, I've come to know him and who keeps his word, the love of God has truly been perfected. What, you say, Tom, what does that mean? Like if the, if the first verse, excuse me, if verse 4 was, a liar, somebody who says but doesn't do and doesn't keep the commandments. The second verse is somebody who says and actually does keep the word of God. What does it mean that the love of God has been perfected in him? There's a lot of debate about exactly how this should be translated, but probably the best translation is not love of God, it's love for God. That'll change it. Love for God. The reason we know that is because we know what the tense is here what the grammar of the original language was. And so it kind of changes everything. It's not that love of God doesn't fit, because the truth is, is God loved us first, right? And so for us to be able to love back, he has to love us, so it fits. But the problem is, is it's not complete if we say of. we got to say for. The love for God has truly been perfected. In other words, you truly know what it means to love God. And we're going to expound on that in just a minute. But there's two different people here. There were people, and there are people today, who are saying, I love God, but I'm not going to follow him like that. I love him, but I'm not going to obey him. And then there are people who say, you know what, I love God, I don't understand it, I don't get it, I'm just going to do it, because that's what he said. Because that's what obedience looks like. Danny Aiken said it like this, he said, keeping the commandments is not a condition of knowing God, it's a sign that somebody does. Let me say that again. People say, Tom, if, if I say that I know God, it's because I have kept his commandments. No, no. Don't put the cart before the horse. You see, knowing God produces obedience. Obedience doesn't produce knowing God to begin with. I'm not asking for a legalistic checking the boxes like I said just a moment ago, but what Dr. Aiken said in this moment is so amazing because it's where we live as Christians. We think there are things that we got to do and then, we'll, then God will accept us and then we can know him, but it's actually just the opposite. That's why it's possible for a child who's never been to a seminary class can be saved. I promise you if we went over to the, and by the way, you should, you should serve over there. Can I just say that out loud? If we were to go over to the children's department right now, those kids think we know what we're doing. Am I right? It's the only place in the church you can teach whatever you want and they go, great. That sounds great. 
They think we know what we're doing. They're so believing. They have so much trust. When you say to a baby, God is love, and you continue to say that, guess what happens when they begin to talk? They think God's love, and they are correct. That's why my three-year-old said, I want to be saved. She was right. She needed salvation. She just didn't know why she needed it. But I promise you gave her three more years, she could spell it out for you. Yeah! I knew I'd do it. Some of you know how many girls I got. I'm not, I could have four for or five for all you know. Now, another thing to note here is that it's important for us to understand that when he uses the word commandment, he's not talking about the ten only. You see, if he were talking about the ten, he would, the, the ten commandments, he would have talked about the namas. Here, he says the entole. They're two different words. The namas was literally those commandments given to Moses on the mountain. But entole is what Jesus did when he came and he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So Jesus said, it's not just that you murder someone because killing is wrong. But when you hate, you've murdered. It's not just adultery. When you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Jesus said, listen, I've come to make you understand this is not a, a road obedience thing. This is a heart condition. This is not just murder, it's hate. This isn't just adultery, it's lust. Jesus turned that on his head. And John said, listen, if we obey the intellect, if we obey, if we obey his commandments, if we keep those. And I think it's important for us to know when we talk about obedience, it's easy for us to misunderstand what we mean by to obey or obedience. It's easy for us to get in our heads just strictly something that's institutional, that's just of learning. But that isn't what God wants. It isn't what I want for my kids either. I don't want them to just know the rule. I want them to know why we got it. And God does too. He wants us to obey, not just out of rote, I'm going to do it because I need the religion or I need to go to heaven and I'm just going to live my life like hell the rest of my life. That's not what he's asked. Understanding him and getting to know him. It's not just executing a command given by God solely and exclusively that gives a person a relationship with Jesus. And it's also not when a person falters from obeying the truths that they lose their salvation either. Because I know in this room there are two kinds of people. There are those who know God and there are those who don't. There are saved and there are lost. And you cannot ever obey if you're lost. And you can sometimes not obey. Hopefully more times than not you won't. But you can if you're a believer as well. But since we know the scripture, what the scripture says, especially in John 15, tells us that apart from God we can do nothing, when, even when it comes to obedience, we must address this as well. So a more clear definition that we actually give in our life of Jesus follower devotional, actually if you want to take this down on page 37, need to go buy it, is this. Obedience is the life of Jesus in me being lived through me. Obedience is simply the life of Jesus. Hang on a minute. You're telling me he gives the command and then he obeys his own command? That's what I'm saying. 
Because without him, you are dead. You see, that's why we have no ability to do it at all. He gives us life. He also gives us the ability to obey him because it's actually him obeying him. I know that sounds weird, but I'm telling you it's his life. It's his life in us. It's not us in us because us in us produces nothing. You say, Tom, that's all well and good, and I'm kind of starting to understand a little bit. I mean, I want to obey God, and to be honest with you, at times I do, and honestly, sometimes it seems impossible. Why do I face the struggle? So I want to bring up our last question. I want to throw it out there to you, and I want to encourage you today with just this. Okay, here's the last question. How am I able to obey God? What's the evidence? Obedience. Then how am I to be obedient? What is that supposed to look like? How do I have the ability to obey God? Here's the answer. I'm going to give it to you right up front, and then we'll finish. God in you. God in me. That's how we're able to obey. I already gave it to you. Abiding in God. Him in me. How do I live that life of obedience? Look at verse, the end of verse 5 and the beginning of verse 6 says this. John writes, by this we know that we are in him. And then he answers the question. Here, or, 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 he gives us the by this portion. Here's the by this portion. By this we know that we are in him. Here's how we know. The one who says, verse 6, he abides in him, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The one who says he abides in him, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Does your life look like anything like the life that Jesus lived while he was here on this earth that we read in the Gospels? Because that's what he said. We say it all the time, stick close to the Gospels. We need to know what Jesus is like. We need to know how he lived just to keep it in our frontal lobe so that when he lives it through us, we won't be surprised. So that we come to those places that we should be sensitive to, we will not be surprised. A person who says they abide in God should do what God did. I mean, that's like a simple thing, right? But I know it's not simple for us. The reason I know it's not simple for you is because it's not simple for me. In fact, it's impossible in my flesh. When I was growing up, my dad is... uh, He'll get a kick out of this because he, he'll watch online. My dad is uh, uh, 19 years older than me. My parents were high school sweethearts. They got married when they were 18. And by the time my dad turned 19, uh, hey. <laughs> so when I was little, my dad was always young. I didn't know it. I thought everybody else's dad was in their 20s too, but they weren't. My dad loves sports, and uh, when I was growing up, I would watch for my dad's car. When I, I, I know exactly how old I was because I remember where we were living at the time, and we didn't live at this place long. I, I was nine years old. We were living um, in, in a duplex for a little while, and my, out the window of my bedroom, I could see down the road uh, just for a long way. And I would watch for that 1970-some-odd brown Plymouth If you ever had one, I just gave you a picture. (laughs) Coming down that highway, and I would watch for it as as a little bitty speck, and as it got closer, when I saw him turn on the signal to turn right, I'd jump off my bed. I would grab my 
ball and, and, and my uh, glove and my dad's glove, and I would be standing at the door like a little puppy dog waiting for my dad to walk through the door. And sure enough, my dad would come in as a hard worker. He would come in, and he would be so tired. But not one time can I ever remember in my life my dad not playing baseball with me. I haven't done as well as he has, but I'm telling you, he was faithful to me. If I wanted to play, he played. And I would stand there, and he would walk in the door, and he would pat my head, and he would say, hang on just a second. My dad would go, well, the first thing he would do is he would go kiss mom and, and whatever parents do at that moment. <laughs> then he would go to his bedroom, and he would take off his Now, this isn't creepy or anything, but he would take off his clothes, and I would watch, not creepily. (laughs) But for one reason, one single reason, Weston, and the reason I would is because I wanted to know what color shirt he was going to put on. Because I'd run to my room, and I'd get the same color as close as I could. We were playing baseball, man. We had to be a team. I know it was just two of us, but still. But you know what? God showed me later in my life, I was just wanting to be like Daddy. That's it. He played baseball, too. Excuse me, basketball. And he would have these leagues that, from, his, from, his, uh, from where he worked. And I would have my basketball, and I'd be sitting on the front. I can remember doing this when I was five, six years old. I'd be sitting on the first bench, and when the teams would run to the other end of the court, I'd run out with my basketball and try to, you know, whoo, shoot a hoop. And I'd grab it, and I'd run back as soon as they were coming down. A couple times I got caught, actually, in the middle of of the— but my dad never got mad at me for doing that. I was trying to be the basketball player my dad was. I wanted to be good like him. I wanted to be on the same team that he was on. See, you understand that our fellowship of him, how we obey him, is that we actually mimic him. The Bible in Leviticus 11.44, God urges all of us, be holy for I'm holy, says the Lord. And Clyde Cranford says that that, 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 that that statement that God makes about how he wants us to be is not a statement of a command per se. It's not him being mean and saying, if you want to be, listen, if you want to be holy, then you gotta, you got to be like me. No, it's him going, here's the deal. I'm holy. Do you want to be like your father? How do we call ourselves believers? But there's no evidence of it. How do we say I'm in the faith? Because we just want our ticket punched to heaven. But heaven's icing on the cake. Relationship with God is what we get in the middle of this thing. You say, Tom, I'm with it, like I said, but sometimes it's just hard, it's difficult. I, I just can't seem to do it. Here's what I can tell you, you can't. You just can't. The bad news is, is you don't have the ability to do it. The good news is, is he'll do it through you. John 15 says this. I'm the true vine. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you've been here at Hope long at all, you've heard this before. I'm the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. In other words, I'm the tree, my father's the farmer. Every branch in me, every branch that's connected to me, that doesn't bear fruit, 
He takes it away. And we've talked about what that means, and that's a whole other sermon, but we'll get there someday. He's not talking about getting rid of it. He's talking about picking it up and cleaning it off. Take away means to hold up. And every branch that bears fruit, guess what he does? He prunes. You say, Tom, I'm going through a rough spot. It's not a rough spot. It's a pruning. There's a guy in my neighborhood. He, man, I don't know what he did to his tree. That thing looks, he cut that thing down so much it didn't have any branches. It's just like one thing. Ugly. But the next year, you know what happened? Leaves everywhere. It made it healthier. But if you were to take that branch that, that was cut off from those trees and stick it in the ground, you know what happens to that branch? It'd be dead in days. It begins to die as soon as it gets detached from the, from the trunk. But you know what? That trunk, as ugly as it may have been, I promise you, was still alive. Because the life is in the vine. The life is in the trunk. The, the life isn't in the branches. The branches feed off of that. And go, so he goes on to say, you're already clean because the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What is it the Lord wants us to do? Abide in him. He don't want us to bear fruit. He doesn't want you to be obedient. He wants you to abide in him. And listen, I don't mean to bring back this picture again, but hang on to the vine. That's your job. Just abide in Christ. He's going to do all the work for you, through you. He's going to defeat sin in your life. But he's going to cause you also to be obedient to him. Here's truth number two. My obedience to God is possible only as the life of Jesus in me is being lived out through me. That's it. You want to be perfectly obedient? This has to happen. You see, the truth is God hasn't asked us to do something we can do. He's asked us to do something only he can do. He's asked us to abide in him, and then he will do it for us. I can't obey his commands consistently. I can't obey them rightly, but he can do it perfectly through me as I allow him to do that. Over the past few years, Pastor Vance has even given us some quotes, and I just want to throw them out there to you just to remind you what they are. Here's some things that he said. The focus of my life is not obedience to God. The focus of my life is intimacy with God. It's not obedience, it's intimacy. Don't focus here, focus here. Because if you focus here, this is coming. The second one is everything that he desires, that God desires to do through me, will be accomplished out of the overflow of his relationship with me. The next one, obedience isn't the focus of my walk, it's the fruit You don't have a walk because you're obedient. You're obedient because you have a walk. And then the last one, if I have an obedience to Jesus problem in my life, then I have a love for Jesus problem. You say, Tom, how do I get through it? If that last statement is correct, that if I've got an obedience problem, it's not an obedience problem I have. It's actually a love problem that causes my obedience problem. How do I fix that? A few years ago, in fact, now coming up in 15 to 16 to maybe 17 years ago, God really pushed this into my life, and I'll be finished. How do I begin to love God? Like, if my obedience problem is actually a love problem, 
How can I love God more than I do? The Bible says in 1 John, and we're going to cover it, chapter 4, I think it's 17 or 18, maybe 19, that God loved us first. All five of our kids, doctor, nurses gave them to us, her, him, her, all of them. And the moment I laid eyes on that child wasn't the first time I loved them, but was the first time I could see them. And I loved them. Our kids didn't even know they were in the world. They didn't know I was in the world, but they didn't even know they were necessarily. Do you remember being zero years old? But their parents loved them, didn't they? And you know what happened over time? The children began to love their parents. You see, that's why kids who are adopted out of, um, away from their biological parents love parents that were really not their biological parents. You know why? Because they were loved by those parents. Because what kids do is they reciprocate love back to the parent. Listen, the way we love God is we just reciprocate his love that he gave us. Now, when we do that, we have knowledge of him. And what have we said here at Hope before? The way we know God is by time. Spending time with God. Spending time with God. we got to read his word to know how much he loves us. It's not intuitive on our fleshly behalf. As we spend time, we'll know. But here's the deal. The reason we don't spend time with him, do you know why? Because we don't have a need. We don't have a need. If you don't have a need, you're not going to do it. And the reason we don't have a need is because we're prideful. But when God gives us grace because he gives grace, we can become humble. And we, but when we become humble, then all of a sudden we see a need. And when we see a need, then you know what we do? We spend time with God. And when we spend time with God, we get to know God. And when we know God, we love God. And when we love God, according to what I read at the very beginning, John 14, 15, when we love God, we will obey God. You see, this isn't about obedience at all. This is about us getting to know him. We have a life goal of getting to know God, but we have a daily goal that makes the life goal work, and the daily goal is just to spend time with him. You say, Tom, why is it so hard for me to be obedient? I can already tell you, you don't spend time with him. Don't look at me spiritual. (laughs) Spending time with God produces a knowledge of him, that produces a love for him, that produces obedience to him. And John 14, 21 says that will produce him revealing more of himself to us, which makes him know him more. And here's what happens. Know, love, obey, reveal. Hit the cycle. like, Like the... It's like awesome that it's baseball. No love, obey, reveal. No love. Just run the bases, man. The The problem is we're not doing this. We're usually doing this. I don't want to spend time I do. I don't want to spend time I do. I don't want to spend time I do. And we can never get to the place where we know him. You see, it's not an obedience problem. It's a love for God problem. Because there's a no knowledge of him problem. If this is the only time you come with the people of God, if this is the only time you think about God, you're weak and anemic and dying. Jesus, I've had a lot to say and I had more. just don't have the time. But God, I pray you would impart to everyone sitting in this room 
that really all you want is a relationship with them? And then obedience follows. God, we focus so much on just wanting to do something for you, but you've already done everything. So if you're sitting here today, as I pray and we begin to, um, as the musicians come and Teddy and his team comes, we're going to have the altar open. You can pray, but we're going to have pastors here too. We're going to have other people here who can share the gospel with you. Because in this room today, there are probably some who thought they knew God, but they don't. There are some who know they don't know God, but they should. And there are some for the very first time who found out, oh my gosh, I, I, I thought this was about religion, not knowledge of him. So we're going to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus, and it's easy. I'll go ahead and tell you, it was, it was my daughter, my second to last, who gave her life to Jesus when she was six but had wanted to half of her life. And as easy as my Mary did that, so can you. But then there's also in this room today, those of us who are followers of Jesus, and we just find ourselves falling in and out of obedience to him. But that is a love for Jesus problem for us. You can't obey the God you don't know, but you can obey the one you do by loving him because you know him. So today, let's just, let's just mark this day off and say, you know what? I'm going to get to know God better than I've ever known him. I'm going to spend time with him. He doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber. He's always waiting. And I'm going to put my two cents worth in. I'm going to get up. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to think about him. I'm going to be sensitive to him. And I'm going to let him work his life through me. Because as he does that, I will follow him just like Jesus did when he was on earth with his own father. So God, do what you want to do in this moment. Help us to see you like we've never seen you. And give us grace today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Let's stand. Let's sing to the top of our lungs. If you need to do business with the Lord, please come down here. Give your life to Christ today.